Hi guys, so I am Steve Hall from Revive Stronger, I'm sure you know, and I want to introduce to you today a special guest, Denver Stein, who I've probably been talking to not even for a year yet. I first heard of Denver on Army Legs podcast, and ever since then I've been following the guy because the information he came out with in that podcast, I could relate to everything he was saying. It was good evidence-based stuff backed up with experience. And then when you look at him, he's also in fantastic shape himself and loves bodybuilding, powerlifting, all of that. And ever since then, I've basically been following him on Snapchat and uh, catching up with his goings on in Australia. So I think you'll take a lot away from this chat that we're going to have. Uh, both have different experiences of bodybuilding and powerlifting. Denver's been doing it for more time. Also an online coach and does one-on-one -on -one PT, but I'll let Denver talk about himself for a little bit. So go for it, Denver. Thanks, Steve. So thanks for having me as well, man. Um, I watch all of your snaps as well, just so you know, so doing good things. And I actually think that you're at the Body Power Epic Fitness Summit, right? Were you there? I wasn't there, actually. I, I okay. really regret not going to that, but I've been to all the other like seminars in the UK with Alan Aragon, Eric Helms, and Brad Schoenfeld, but I missed out on the that actual event where I probably... Uh, okay. Unlucky, unlucky. Well, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm Denver Stain. Um, started off as a personal trainer. Well, I started off as getting into the gym, I guess, and I got into bodybuilding, competed, did pretty good at that, and then decided that I wanted to be a personal trainer. Well, I've always wanted to be one, but moved on to personal training. Uh, got extremely busy doing that and decided, well, I had a few people ask me to work with them online. So I would do that a little bit on the side. Didn't give them too much attention. Didn't really add the value that I should have because uh, I was really focused on working with people one-on-one. -on -one. Then I realized that I can work with a lot more people uh, with the hours I have you know, in the week if I just work online mostly. So I started to shift more so to the online basis. And now I guess I would say that I'm an online coach, like many, many, many others. Um, however, I still do face-to-face -face coaching as well. I do a little bit of PT mentoring for um, other personal trainers. And, um, and everything's great. So I spend most of my time doing the online coaching-based work. And then I'll spend about two days doing some face-to-face -face training as well. Awesome. And you I think I remember you saying you initially got into bodybuilding because you, I think you're a track runner. Was that the, you were initially not actually focused on kind of weight training massively. You were doing sprinting and things like that of that nature. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Like when I was really young, like primary school, I used to do 100-meter track, 200-meter track. Did really well in that. Um, and then I got, I got into soccer as well. And like, I, I guess I've always been into PE, like physical education at school. So weight training was one component of that. Um, but on a side note, my grandfather was actually a bodybuilder. So he was always trying to get me to, to lift weights, get into the gym, things like that. So when I was a sprinter, I figured doing weights would help me to get faster. Or I just made that assumption. And I think it did. And then when I realized that I had some potential and actually built some muscle in a short amount of time. I was definitely hooked and I got into the whole bodybuilding side of things. But I want to say when I was like eight years old, I was reading, uh, I don't even know what the magazines are called now, but muscle, not, it wouldn't have been muscular development, but something back in those days, my grandfather had like a stack from like the 50s and the 60s of bodybuilding magazines. So when I was like eight or nine years old, I used to read the magazines and, um, and do sit-ups and push-ups at home. 
So it kind of started at a pretty young age. Oh, definitely. I think it's surprising I, when I talk to Jeff as well, any of the younger guys with fantastic physiques, like yourself, I'd say you have a, your physique is fantastic. You notice how it's because if, if they are younger and they have a really well-developed physique, often it's because they've just started a lot earlier than a lot of other guys have. Because some people just get, in, get into it when they're like, well, like myself, 21. So mm -hmm. I've been lifting comparably a lot less time than yourself. So to expect to be as developed as you, even though we're maybe similar age, it's just not going to happen because time under the bar is almost the biggest determining factor for someone who's a natural bodybuilder. Most definitely. But I agree. That is and I interesting. Yeah. I say the same thing. I tell a lot of like young guys who come to see me and they just like basically want to say, I want to look like you. I want to look similar to you or better than you even. I tell them, I'm like, I've been training since I was 16 and now I'm 28. So, and they're like, oh, that takes too long. And it doesn't mean that I didn't look great when I was 17, 18, 19, 20. It just means that now I'm at a position where I've actually, you know, I've built my physique, you know, to, the, to, to, a, to a good degree. Like I would say I, at one point I thought I was at my natural ceiling of, of potential, but I think I've still got room to grow. Just got to keep, keep training smart, eating, eating smart and things like that, which is what we're going to be talking about today, actually, in regards to... Yeah, 100%. Back. So... If we, yeah, go on to here. Actually, how many times have you competed before? Um, and when, what, when did you last compete? And kind of, yeah, essentially, how long ago did you last compete? Because I know Denver's currently in his contest prep. So, and I'm pretty sure you haven't competed in for a number of years now. So you were aiming to develop a much different physique to what you brought to stage before. You wanted to bring a new package, make sure it was much improved so yeah when did you last compete and how many times have you competed before i'm not actually sure uh you know what like i lose count i think i've competed nine ten times maybe nine or ten times started in 2009 did a show then and then i did a, did like two or three shows in 2010 when i competed in um las vegas actually in 2011 at the muscle mania um world championships you know i thought muscle mania was a was a tested federation so i did that and um i think i've done like nine or ten shows but the last show i did was in 2013 and um that was probably my worst prep out of all of them to be honest um, but that's so it's been three years now so i'm really excited to get back on stage and the reason why it was one of my worst preps is because um at that point in time i was at a crossroads where i was really interested in evidence-based training and science and nutrition but at the same time i had a coach who was who all i had a guy who was really keen to prep me for my for my show so i was kind of torn between listening to what he was trying, trying to tell me what to do whilst i was trying to also implement my own things um so that's when i was tracking macros and things like that whereas my previous preps i didn't do that so i was trying to track macros and incorporate flexible dieting whilst, whilst also listening to the recommendations of somebody else uh, which was a bit tough but like in all seriousness, my wife was actually in a car accident 10 weeks out from my show. Uh, a couple of weeks later, I hurt my back just stupidly doing a warm up on a deadlift. Um, so I almost didn't compete. I was almost like, I probably shouldn't compete. I'm not going to look my best. You know, my food was down. My cardio was up because I was injured. I couldn't really train properly, but I figured I'll just do it anyways. 
didn't do that well. I came fourth, which was probably the worst result that I've ever had as a bodybuilder. And I was like, no more, I'm done. Um, and I kind of just didn't compete for a while. So is the, I guess the fact you, I mean, contest prep, hands down, has to be one of the most stressful times of your life. So it's kind of like that kitchen sink analogy. You have all the stress coming into it, and then you want it to trickle out before it overflows. So by mm -hmm. having contest prep, that's like one huge stress. You've got your training, and then if you've got life stress, like, sorry to hear your, I'm sure she's fine now, your wife had the accident, that adds to it. And then if you overflow, especially with all that stress during contest prep, your physique's probably going to look a lot worse than it should do. It's going to have blunt fat, like fat, feel motivated to burn calories and do any, like anything. You're probably going to lose more muscle that way. And yeah, it's uh, that's it. It's just yeah, I can imagine that have been very hard. Even and especially when you're trying to fight against kind of something you you believe in versus someone telling you to do something else. It's it becomes very difficult. And I think in situations like that, I think I've even come across it where people who have current coaches and they're like a few weeks out from their show and they're like, oh, but I've come across macros now and my coach doesn't know anything about macros. And in those sort of situations, just like, just trust your coach for this period of time. If they're getting you in good shape, they have some strange methods that are now kind of working in their favor. And after the prep, you can focus on something that is probably more sustainable and more logical. Um, luckily for okay. myself, I competed 2014, um, my first show, my one and only show actually, um, and it took a lot out of me. I was never sure I was going to be able to actually get to a level of leanness to be able to compete um, because of my previous accident and ill health. I had a head injury and it led to a lot of consequences, one of them being low testosterone. Um, and I actually had to be on testosterone replacement therapy, um, which obviously is a banned substance for natural bodybuilders. Um, so I had to contact all the kind of English federations and ask whether it was acceptable that I had this past where I had to be on this replacement therapy for, I think it was two months to bring up my natural levels to be healthy again. And a few replied no, some replied yes, and I competed in the ones that allowed me to. And at the end of the day, neither of those ones tested me anyway, and I'm sure the other ones wouldn't either, um, unless I'd maybe won. So yeah. I wasn't sure I'd be healthy enough to get to stage leanness, so I took a very long prep. But luckily, my coach was in the evidence-based crowd. It was all macros, um, and in terms of that, it was very successful. In terms of still being the hardest, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, it was still one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Um, and I needed mm -hmm. to be in a stable position to be able to do it, um, which I think is one of the reasons why on our first topic, kind of why bodybuilders don't compete each year is one of the reasons is just, it's so stressful. You have to be in a really stable position in your life. If you're trying to grow your business, if you've got kind of, if you're trying to move house or even move country or start a new job, those things are all really difficult. So I think you need to be in a really stable place. And I think for yourself, that might have been, been a similar situation and you needed time to recover from it. Is that right? Yeah, 100%. I would definitely agree. And just touching on what you said prior about how you were like, you didn't get drug tested or anything. I just reminded me that the very first time I decided to actually compete in a bodybuilding competition was actually because 
people didn't think that I was natural. So I was like, I'm going to do a natural bodybuilding competition. I'm going to get drug tested. They're going <laughs> to give me the result and I'm going to stick it on my wall in my office or my room or whatever, or at the gym even, and just be like, told you guys. But um, I didn't get tested in the first show. I got tested in the second show, but they don't tell you the result unless you, unless you fail. So I was like, ah, there goes that. But um, touching on what you said, yeah, you definitely want to have like some big gaps between between training and yeah, uh, between competition, and you have to be smart with it. I know that when I first started in two thousand and nine, I competed, only did one show, only did an eight week prep, got really shredded, lost some muscle in the process, um, came second to a really good um, pro pro bodybuilder now actually, Nathan Wallace. So the next year, I was like, I really want to compete again. I liked it. The whole time prepping towards it, I was always nervous about it. But once I got on stage, I felt really comfortable. So I wanted to do it again. So, and I wanted to really you know, do it again and win. So I did back it up the next year and I did look better. But I dieted smarter. I didn't do eight weeks. I did like 12 to 16 weeks, something like that. Um, still got fat in the off-season. But you know, we, we get smarter as we get older and get more experienced. But I did 2009, 2010, 2011. And then I skipped 2012 and decided I would attempt to do 2013. Unfortunately, things didn't work out as best as they could. But after that, I said, I'm probably not going to compete again until 2020 or something like that, where it's really far away. I can definitely say, look, I've improved a lot. My physique's much better. And life has to be in the right place because, like you said, it's super stressful. It takes a a ton of stress. Um, And especially as a personal trainer, like on the floor, if you're working with clients 40 hours a week or whatever, you have to give them all your energy and you can't act like you're um you're starving or you're dying because that's kind of how you feel right so now right now this year i'm like okay my jobs my business is predominantly online i can still provide a great service great value to my clients online and i can just limit the amount of people i see face to face so i think right now was i decided that right now would be the best best year to compete given that situation given that i'm in a healthy business uh, situation and life is great there's no injuries no concerns anything like that so couldn't be a better time now but yeah you have to be smart like if you've got if you're trying to set up a new business or you've got or you're getting married soon or anything like that it's not wise you definitely have to play it out smart no i definitely agree i think a lot of people don't really see the kind of the backstory what's involved to get they just see the person shredded they see the before and after and they don't look at what the process is in between and initially contest prep like any fat loss phase isn't all that difficult it's when you're trying to get to levels of leanness that the body doesn't want to go to you have to do things the body doesn't want to do it will fight very hard and i remember being on the gym floor was when when i was doing one-on-one pt is when i competed and i remember hoping clients wouldn't turn up i'd be like i don't want them to turn up if they cancel that's a good thing that means i can sit down and be lazy and yeah that wouldn't help my fat loss but it was what I wanted. I remember just wanting to lock myself in a room with my food and go to sleep. And that isn't the whole of contest prep. Um, maybe the last kind of 10 weeks. Um, mm-hmm. But I can imagine people who compete year to year, I think, I think like yourself, maybe you learned from it that it just becomes a bit unsustainable and it almost maybe takes over your life a little bit. You can't focus on developing other areas of your life. And yeah, I can imagine that being really difficult. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like every time you hit the stage, you want to hit the stage with the intention to to look your best, but also the intention to win and feel like you deserve to be there. And if you're competing every year, you're not having enough of a 
an off season or a gaining phase where you're actually getting better, getting your physique better. Um, so, you know, I, know, I cannot wait to get on stage this, this year, later this year, because I know I'm going to look like completely different to what I looked like last year and previous comps, um, given, you know, longer, longer time, longer rest time, longer off season, getting some powerlifting training in there as well. But I was just saying to someone the other day that even though I haven't competed for quite a long, for three years now, it's not like I've made the most of my off season because I've definitely tried to stay as lean as I can throughout that off season. So it's not like I haven't been a full on bodybuilder where I've said, look, I'm taking three years off to just grow, grow, grow. I've had periods of, of cutting and, and gaining and uh, mini cuts and things like that. 2014, I got lean and I stayed lean for almost all of the year and really got my body used to that, which I think has helped me in terms of conditioning or potential conditioning later this year in my show. But I haven't really gone out there and just try to pack on as much muscle as possible. Um, you know, how I look is important to me. So, mm-hmm. you know, taking time off, taking a lot of time between comps is important, but if you definitely want to grow, you need to take off that time and make it purposeful towards that next competition uh, if bodybuilding is the number one priority to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think I saw you make a Facebook post where you're like, I might not have maximized my muscle growth, but I'm okay with knowing that I've gained muscle and maintained a physique that has made me happy in the process. You like maintaining a physique that looks leaner. Uh, And I think there is some definite pros to maintaining a leaner physique for a period of time. I know you can't necessarily change your set point or your settling point, um, but you can definitely get yourself in a position where you feel comfortable at that body fat, doing things that are maintaining that body fat. And if you've got those habits in place, which would lay into the settling point aspect, then that's going to help and make life easier cutting down, especially because you're going to be leaner as well. So you've, you're still how many weeks out and you're already looking very lean. I've so still got, you're in a great place. Yeah. I still got about 18 weeks out from the first show and about 26 weeks out from the last one. So the last one's actually in Las Vegas. It's the INBA Olympia, Natural Olympia. And I just went ahead and booked tickets for that. I booked flights for that, and I haven't qualified yet. So I have to actually compete locally and qualify before I can go there. So a bit of a challenge on my, on my part, but I'm excited. That's awesome. Um, so in terms of talking about off-seasons, what, how did you kind of – we talked about mini-cuts. If you want to talk a bit more about kind of what you did for a mini-cut, for me – I think in general, mini cuts are just thought as a shorter period of dieting. So it's not like a contest prep. It's not like a prolonged diet. It's maybe kind of, I'd always viewed them as around maximum 10 weeks up to even two weeks could be a, like you could do it really rapidly. Um, I kind of like to attempt them to be aggressive as they need to be to see weight loss come off fast, but not so aggressive you actually feel like awful. So what I mean by that is, you're still eating a reasonable amount of food, but you're still dropping scale weights, dropping every week. You're seeing visible changes almost every week and you're in and out relatively fast. So I like that because you don't see all of kind of the potential metabolic adaption coming downwards. You can kind of come in and out and get back into your gaining phase and you keep him within that kind of that lean body fat percentage that is kind of primes us for lean muscle growth rather than kind of putting on any fat mass, which is, if people don't know, it's to do with partitioning ratios. Lar McDonald's talked about it, and there's some interesting papers on it. Came within kind of 10 to 15 percent body fat for the majority of your like off season for a bodybuilder makes very good sense. 
so yeah, how, how do you attempt your mini cuts? How many have you had actually in the years between competing and now competing again? Mm -hmm. that's, that's, a, that's a good question because I got to think about three years ago. And to be honest, the way that I do things now, I mean, because I've been training for 12 years or so now, I never really think of all, like I keep assuming that I'm at my natural potential and, you know, I, I'll put on a bunch of weight and then I'll lose it and I'm still kind of where I'm at in terms of lean physique or you know, lean muscle tissue, which is frustrating, which is kind of one of the reasons why I've decided to stay lean for the most part and focus on strength progression and, you know, small increases in weight, stuff like that. But in terms of like mini cuts and stuff, I want to say that what I personally do is I know that I compete on stage as a bodybuilder at around 88, 87 kilos. Uh, well, that's what I was at my my peak, I guess. So I always assume that around 88 to, to 89 would be where I would sit for a contest prep in the future, assuming I've built more muscle. So I've always made a, um, a decision for myself that I'll never be over 96 kilos. Um, and I'll kind of stay within 92 to 96 kilos for the most part. And that keeps me pretty lean at the 96 kilo mark. I'm feeling great, super strong. Everything's progressing. When I want to get leaner, I'll shift down to 94 or 92 kilos. And I still feel pretty good. And, uh, but I just look much better as a result. So what I, what I tend to do is I would move my calories up where I would progressively start to move to that 96 kilo mark. And if I got there, um, then I would just sit there for a while and then I would just pull things back a little bit after a period of time. Um, or I'm, like, this is kind of annoying in, its, in a sense, but if I have an event like a fitness expo that I have to work at or a photo shoot or something like that, then I would, that's when I would incorporate those mini cuts and I would just try to shift back down to 92, 93 kilos where I knew I looked my best. So in the off season, given where I sit now and my experience and stuff, I don't have massive bulking gaining phases. Like I, I've always, I've wanted to do like nine month long gaining phases and I've planned them like January 1st. I'm like, okay, this is going to be gaining for the whole of 2014 or the whole of 2015. And then things get come up. I get asked to, do like photo shoots or appearances or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I got a cut for this thing. I got a cut for that. So I haven't really structured and planned many cuts according to overall goals for my personal, personal physique, but more so for events and, and things like that. Um, so that's kind of how it's been. I haven't tracked things. I haven't said every eight weeks I'm going to do a mini cut or every eight months I'm going to do a mini cut, but it's just kind of like I focus on mm -hmm. getting 96 kilos and if I'm there, I'm good. If I go over that, then I'll pull my calories back and try to stay in that area. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess that's such an interesting point you've just touched on because I think to be advanced as a trainee and progressing on, you're not necessarily progressing every month. So I'm not progressing every month. I'm probably progressing maybe every two months, three months. I couldn't necessarily be exact on that figure in the weight room that is with like loads and things like that so i would be advanced but i still think me compared to yourself we'd be, both be considered advanced i almost feel like there needs to be a step up in that scale kind of novice intermediate advanced elite because mm -hmm. it makes sense for you who probably is quite near their genetic potential not to be keep pushing to gain weight whereas for me mm -hmm. do that i could be potentially just spinning my wheels which i think i potentially have done in the past where i've been like Oh, I'm advanced, so I shouldn't really see these big scale weight changes. Whereas I think I almost, even if I am advanced, I still need to push the scale a little bit because 
I think it can be a bit of a trap if I just try and stick lean and try and stay down when I'm not at that elite level like yourself, Alberto Nunez, people who probably haven't got a lot of muscle mass they can potentially gain, who yeah. would gain more so from staying lean so that when they do diet for a show, they're going to lose less muscle mass and lose more fat because they're leaner, they can diet for less time, they can have diet breaks and all those great things. Um, exactly right. You also touched on the fact you did powerlifting in the off-season as well. Do you think that helped kind of, especially less scale, do you think that just helps keep you motivated? Do you think it helped your physique? Because obviously, if you're stronger, you should be able to use more weight and higher rep ranges, which should hopefully lead to get helped. What do you, how did you like powerlifting? How did it help you get into kind of better shape? Okay, so powerlifting, did it help my bodybuilding? Um, it's, it's a hard question because I would say yes, but like, you know, the stronger you are, the more muscle you're retaining. The reason why I got into powerlifting is because I've always had a, a strength focused, um, approach to training. I've always thought the stronger you are, the bigger your muscle is going to be. To be honest, like many, many, many years ago, 12 years ago, I didn't know that I needed to, it was all about volume. I just thought it was all about as much as you can lift and eat protein. You know what I mean? So, um, I've always had a powerlifting or strength focus. People told me to do powerlifting comps when I was like 18 years old and I was bench pressing 180 kilos, 170, 180 kilos. And I should have back then because uh, it would have been something special. But now I just blend in with everybody else, to be honest. But I decided to do the powerlifting because I, I call myself a power builder. I'll always uh, plan in some strength work as well as some hypertrophy work. And you get pretty good at both gaining strength and gaining lean muscle and looking good and stuff like that but you don't really get elite right like you said you want to be elite that's the next level from advanced so i decided to do a powerlifting competition so then i would be forced to train as a powerlifter and actually devote everything towards that and not really do the hypertrophy based training and just treating myself like a powerlifter so i did that i would say that it was great in the regards of i actually gained some strength after all these years of training there's still a lot of room to get stronger and it comes down to technique improvements with those three main lifts and uh, obviously increasing the frequency and things like that. And um, the downside for the powerlifting is I didn't do enough accessory work. I didn't train, I very rarely trained biceps to be honest, but I didn't train biceps and abs as much as I should have and, and calves and hamstrings. So I think that all of that kind of just shrunk in the, in, the, in the phase of powerlifting. I didn't care because all I cared about was powerlifting. So I'm like, I need to be strong. That's all I really care about is strength. I don't care about these, you know, these other muscles getting smaller. So as a result, you know, I've had to work a bit harder now to get that volume back up and to, to build the muscle. But long story short, um, powerlifting has been great. But um, what was I going to say? My answers are way too long and I'm like, I need to make them shorter. <laughs> powerlifting has been good. Has it helped my bodybuilding? I'm not sure. But um, it definitely helped in terms of strength progression, that's for sure. Did I answer your question? I don't know if I did because I, I think, feel like there's something else I yeah, wanted I think, to say. <laughs> I think it's hard to, especially when you are advanced, it's hard to know whether something's really paying dividend because you're not seeing the quick changes in your feet. So for powerlifting, for someone who is more advanced, as a bodybuilder, primarily a bodybuilder who wants to do some powerlifting in the off-season, from what I've seen and for myself, I think it can definitely help for someone who is pretty advanced, but 
if someone's a bodybuilder and they're more kind of in the intermediate stage or novice stage and they're really focusing on that powerlifting and they're getting specific with lifting heavy, not doing their accessory work, I think they're probably going to really blunt their potential muscular development going forward. And I think a lot of the time, because the advanced guys are doing that powerlifting and they're focusing on a few lifts, getting really strong, not doing much as much volume as they could be, the younger guys who aren't as big are looking towards their training and being like, oh, so they're training like a powerlifter. I should be training like them. Whereas they should really be looking at kind of the stepping stones they got to that point. And obviously powerlifting has phases of higher volume and lower volume, but it is very specific to those lifts. And so you could lack development in things like the shoulders, um, those can go amiss. Obviously the calves, hamstrings, the back could go a little missing because you're obviously pressing mm -hmm. and you're deadlifting a lot and squatting a lot. Myself, um, I've only actually, I've only cut, I think in my life, one time purposely after I did like a, a folk, Alan Aaron would call it a fat folk. <laughs> um, and then although people said like, I, I was definitely fat at that point for myself, but I still had abs. It was a bit weird but I definitely folked and then did an awful cut. And then I basically, ever since then, bulked up before I then did my contest prep. So that was bulking up almost kind of two years, just purely mm -hmm. trying to gain weight. And then cut down for my show, and I've only ran, I think, my show. So I've only actually dieted three times in my whole life so far, which is crazy. Um, but I think for myself, it's partly because I like to keep lean for so long. And I think that does take away from the potential to gain muscle. I think bodybuilders could get caught into this trap where they kind of get a bit fat phobic and they don't want to actually push the barrier to gain substantial amounts of weight. Um, and the kind of lean gaining is really good for advanced guys. Yeah, it can kind of take away from things. And I've tried to get into powerlifting also after my first meet and I think that took away from kind of my after your bodybuilding show you've probably lost a little bit of muscle mass you're trying to gain that back and by me going into powerlifting straight afterwards probably wasn't the best route to go about building back the muscle that I've maybe lost and taking advantage mm -hmm. of kind of coming out of the show and I think it kind of blunted me big time coming out and I, I didn't do as well as I wanted to at the powerlifting meet and yeah, I just, it, it put me in a bit of a weird place. I think if you are trying to put the two together, you really need to phase them in well. And if maybe you go through kind of a, a building phase as a bodybuilder, and then you're looking to just maintain for a period of time at a new weight, like you said, you, you build up and then you maintain, you could go for some strength. And maybe at the end of that strength period, you go into a powerlifting meet, which I think is something that you, And then, so in terms of kind of your lean gaining phases now, after this powerlift, this contest prep, what do you envisage for the future? Are you going to go along the same lines or do you envisage doing more shows in the future or? I feel that um, I'm actually doing a lot of shows this year, but they're all like within a week of each other. So, so I think I'm going to be on stage five times between September and wow. November, uh, which is a lot. Um, but, you know, it, I'm excited for it, and I think I'm ready for it. But I would say that 
my my wife asked me the same question just the other day. She's like, "Is this your last bodybuilding comp?" And I was like, "What? No." Uh, but I really don't know. I you know one of the reasons why I decided I wanted to compete this year as well is because I felt like I was wasting my potential, and I don't want to look back years later and say, "Wow, you know, I could have been, could have done this and done that." Um, I had a great physique, and uh, and I didn't take that opportunity. So you know I'll, that's another reason why I'm going to compete. Um, so I, I I'm really unsure if I will again after this year, but I do feel like I do like powerlifting. I did quite well in my powerlifting meet. I beat my, my targets that I've always wanted to in, in terms of the total. So that was cool. So I think that I'll probably go from the powerlifting, uh, from the, the contest prep, the bodybuilding shows, and potentially move back into a powerlifting phase for a brief period of time, but then also be smarter and have more accessory work and, you know, go back to my power building type, type training. Um, in terms of competing with bodybuilding, right now I can say, yeah, I probably will compete again at some point. Um, when I feel terrible, when I'm five weeks out or the one week out, I'll probably say, never again, because we all say that. Uh, but, you know, we, we all have a love for it and, you know, just trying to push, push and be better and expect to see a better physique. So, you know, I really want to do the best I can in, all na- in the natural federations that I compete in. Mm-hmm. And I actually, you know, win the Mr. Australian titles or do well and become a pro with the PNBA or whatever the uh, organization, organization is that I choose. So there's always room to progress. So I think I will keep competing in, power, in bodybuilding in the future. And then it would probably be a long time until I did that again. So this year, I actually want to, you know, my goal is to actually win my shows and do the best I can. And, you know, it's not all about the pro card, but you know, I would like to attain that and then have some time, as much time as they give me off to, to actually grow and build a better physique um, as I get older as well and then compete. Touching on the powerlifting part, one of the, I said like powerlifting wasn't great because I got smaller and I didn't do the accessory work. One of the positives of the powerlifting, um, which worked really well with my bodybuilding focus is I, you actually have to be in a weight class. So I had to be at 93 kilos or under and I compete as a bodybuilder at 88, 89. So I wasn't, it's not too far away from, from where I need to be as a bodybuilder. So by doing powerlifting, it allowed me to stay leaner while still getting stronger. Um, last year, I did, I did some powerlifting comps, some novice ones, just to try them out. And I had to get under 90 kilos for that comp. And I looked, I was 89 kilos when I competed. And I still bench pressed heavy. I still squatted a PB. And my deadlift was still pretty good. And I, I looked like I could have competed in bodybuilding, which was awesome because my strength went up because my training was good. And I was so lean, you couldn't really tell that I had lost a bit of size through you know, those areas that you lose if you don't focus on them. So that's, that's a plus with powerlifting. If you plan things right, knowing that you've got a weight class that you have to reach, it just helps with the bodybuilding side of things because you're not going to get overweight like a lot of people assume powerlifters are. Yeah, yeah for sure. I think the age of kind of the leaner powerlifter is coming, definitely coming in. And because I was looking at, I think I was talking to, I have a powerlifting coach. The head GB coach is actually at, um, great British coach is at my local gym. And I was talking to him and he said, how tall are you? Because he was question. I was kind of doing my powerlifts and he was asking me. And I told him my weight and he said, for your height, you should be competing in like two categories above what I am. And I was like, how am I going to gain? Like, over 10 kilos of lean muscle mass so i'm not gonna be able to do that even if i was even if i took all sorts i wouldn't be able to do that and it's it'll be a tested for like uh, organization mm-hmm. anyway so i think a lot of the time yeah those guys just aren't as lean like you realize when you're doing your contest prep 
you have to lose like some people have to lose like 30 pounds and they're already at the start they're they're not even that overweight at the start you realize really mm -hmm. when you're a body like when you do bodybuilding how much fat the body holds just in every little crevice like in your quads and in your glutes and just there's so there's a lot of fat on the body to be had so yeah i definitely think oh, yeah. there's space for the leaner the leaner bodybuilder and like of course some fat mass if it adds like a bit to your starch or something but at the end of the day lean muscle tissue is always going to help more than fat tissue for powerlifting so um just touching on kind of the difference between a mini cut and then your contest prep how do you approach those differently because obviously the mini cut is kind of you're getting lean for a photo shoot or kind of an event whereas contest prep it's like you're planning it's more planned like a longer period of time do you plan in like to diet faster at certain times have maybe diet breaks at other times how do you go about it especially now this is probably your going to be your best prep because you're having a complete evidence-based view you've got all the past ones to look over and you're in a lean place which is awesome for sure for sure and i actually i actually have a coach as well for this contest prep which is pretty cool and uh, given that I have a coach and they're doing my nutrition for me, or he's doing my nutrition and my training for me, he, uh, I, it, it was my assumption that we would be putting diet breaks in quite regularly because I'm not overweight. You know, I'm quite lean at, the, at this point. So, and I was right. He decided that he wanted to do three weeks at a deficit and then one week at maintenance um, and just run through that for a period of time until we stop seeing the results that we want. So it's, it's still early days. I think we're only at our third week right now. Um, so I'm not sure it's possible that we run a diet break shortly. I'm not too sure it's up to it's really up to Jason from the strength guys, but um, at this like the difference between mini cuts and um, and contest prep is of course uh, Mini cuts are short and sweet. You're able to deal with the pain or whatever the you know the You're, you're able to deal with not having a, a great social life or restricting yourself in terms of calories and stuff because you know the end result is just right around the corner or the you know the it's a very short period of time so you can definitely you know convince or encourage yourself or others to have a bigger caloric deficit and you know train a bit harder and stuff like that because they know that it's only a short-term thing and once they get past that phase they're able to you know move to maintenance or move to a little bit more calories or whatever else sometimes with the mini cut i can tell a client hey this is just going to be for four weeks and then in that four weeks, they see such good results and they adapt to it. They're actually like, let's do it for another four weeks, which is what I actually hope for. But I don't mm -hmm. tell them that because it might put too much stress on them. So, you know, a mini cut could be, like you said, between four to 10 weeks or, or two to 10 weeks, two to 12 weeks maybe even. And it's definitely a lot more aggressive. Uh, but knowing that there's an end date that's very, very soon and life is going, going to be normal again or somewhat normal, it makes people more consistent and just more on point. Contest prep is definitely different because your, your major goal is to maintain as much muscle as you can and still train very well. I, I always say with contest prep, the three goals are to maintain your lean mass as much as you can, um, to drop as much body fat as possible, and to stay injury-free. And to collectively do those three, it definitely takes time. You can't be pushing things too hard and still trying to train hard and expect to be healthy and recover well. So contest prep does take longer. Many years ago, when I first did my first bodybuilding comps, I had no idea what a diet break was. I had no idea what a refeed was. I didn't even do cheat meals, uh, which is kind of crazy because everybody does those, right? But um, so this is definitely going to be my best prep, and there will be a lot of diet breaks in there. I, um, 
listened to Alberto Nunes talk when I was in the UK last year and I loved his approach to, uh, to contest prep and they do diet breaks regularly. And I implement those with, with, with some clients, not all clients, because it's tough because you have to be very consistent with your prep. You have to consistently you know, hit your macros and do the work to see the progress. And if you're not seeing the progress, you don't always go ahead and do with what you've got the bigger picture. So I don't, I used to, but I don't like to try to plan. I don't like to try to map out the whole 20 weeks or 30 weeks ahead of time. Yeah. I like to just see how things go. But I had, at the back of my mind, I kind of know what might happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't want to say to myself, I'm going to have a diet break in two weeks. And then, you know, things aren't progressing how they are, how they should. Or I feel fine and things are progressing really well and I feel like I don't need it. Um, so it's kind of like a week to week. Uh, checking with my coach and just you know checking with myself as well to kind of assess things it's definitely a longer process yeah for sure it's you definitely have to have somewhat of a plan like know that you are thinking okay this is too long to just go straight deficit the whole time I know in my Mm -hmm. contest prep I didn't actually have any diet breaks planned in and I I think that did take away from the end result and it did make me I was I know there was periods of time where I was high stress because I was holding on to a lot of water on my ankles. I literally had cankles um, for my first bodybuilding show, uh, which I actually dieted through. I didn't even have any kind of peak week into that at all. Sure. But yeah, for my bodybuilding clients, I, I don't like to plan, like you say, don't like to actually put into their kind of planner that they're going to have one at this time because they're, they'll be looking towards it. And if they're not ready for it, if they're not lean enough and they're seeing progress, like you said, you don't want to then say to them, ah, actually, we're going to skip that and just go past it because if you do yeah. that, they're going to get stressed out. They're going to be pissed. <laughs> they're going to want food. Um, <laughs> but I do think because contest prep, especially when you're trying to get below kind of that 10% body fat, it gets kind of – the body is more complicated, especially if you haven't got much experience with it. If it's your first show, you really need to give yourself a long time. So a makeup for people is – 12 weeks max, whereas contest prep, it could be 30 weeks if you wanted it to be, which is a very long time, but that gives you so much room for maneuver. You do have the chance, like you said, you're having uh, diet breaks every three weeks, which is fantastic. Um, it will only help you when you lead into the show. It gives you mental breaks because the physiological and psychological aspects play into it. And if people don't know what a diet break is, it's essentially, I think it's this, the same for you. It's kind of a, a well, it could be a week, but a period of time similar to a refeed where you're basically eating at maintenance. And sometimes, I guess, in contest prep, you'd make sure that you were sticking to somewhat rigid macros. Not really rigid, but you're trying to hit like a certain protein target at least. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Exactly right. And I would probably, I'd probably lean towards making sure all three macros are, are on point. Um, I think that having higher carbs is going to help a lot as well. You don't want to have a diet break that's, you know, you hit your protein and then it's predominantly fat and low carb. And I think that would help you very much. No, yeah. I mean, yeah, carbohydrates. I think, especially in contest prep, some of my clients, when they're just general fat loss clients, I might give them, I like to give them kind of the option to hit these kind of macro Mm -hmm. ranges. But if they Mm -hmm. really, some of them, it's just, just go for a week trying to eat pretty well and just don't stress out about it and even for some of my I do find in bodybuilding because the diet is so prolonged stress levels are rising higher and higher week to week it almost becomes 
necessary to see, allow kind of, although obviously a diet break isn't causing fat loss because it's taking away from fat loss, it's bringing in maintenance calories rather than deficit, but to allow kind of cortisol to go away to get rid of the water weight that's potentially they're holding on to and to give them the mental break and give them kind of sometimes a lot of people react really well to diet breaks and they end up jacking up things like their physical activity they have more motivation in the gym they maintain performance with their weights which you said to retain muscle mass that's important mm -hmm. so i almost find sometimes these periods of overfeeding are very necessary even for people who maybe think they're not lean enough you almost need them to get lean in a strange way because you think they would overall take away from the process. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree. I've, I've seen it many, many times where people are in a deficit, they're not seeing the result, they're not really want, and then, um, and then um, am I echoing or no? Am I echoing or no? It did just then, but you're all right. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I've seen, I've seen many times people just over-dieting, dieting for too long, in a deficit for too long, and I get them to increase their food, and everything just works out much better. They drop that fluid weight, um, their activity picks up, and um, you know, just it's smart. So it's definitely a smart approach. I wish I knew about it a long time ago. In my last contest rep in 2013, uh, we did a diet break, but my coach didn't call it a diet break. It was just a test run of my peak week, and that was uh, yeah. around four. That was around four weeks out from my show, around two, around three or four weeks out from my show. And by doing that, I felt great. And I guess that was my first insight into, hey, you can actually eat more food and still look great if you're, if you're tracking, if your calories are, you know, at maintenance, they're not exceeding that. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. That was the first time I had ever experienced that because prior to that, I would always just deficit throughout the whole thing. And of course, I would binge whenever I felt like crap. <laughs> so yeah, it's a smarter approach taking the diet breaks. And sometimes you don't want to take them because you're like, I, I don't need whatever, but then you have to also consider... You know, will it improve my training performance? Will it help me yeah. to retain more muscle? If I don't take this diet break or do the whole week, will I um, end up wanting to binge later? Which is something that can happen to a lot of people who are less um, experienced and, um, you know, don't really know what to expect in the contest prep phase. And I think it's important for people to realize if you haven't, if you're not in contest prep, you don't have an end date to be lean then having a week at maintenance isn't really taking anything away from the overall long-term goal. You're still not putting on fat and you're maintaining your lean muscle mass. You're maintaining your lean kind of leanness, your maintenance, you're just not dieting. And even if you did kind of a four-day diet break where it was like, oh, you couldn't diet because you're away for an extended period of, at the weekend or something, it's just days of maintenance. It's not like you're actively packing on fat and you haven't got like the show to be lean for, whereas the show day yeah. really makes it more tricky, makes life a lot trickier. You really have to plan things around that particular time. Yeah, and you can only look better when you do, do when you do a diet break as well. So definitely, everything fills out. You know, if you do a skin fold test, you're probably going to be leaner. So you know, it's nothing but good stuff, more glycogen. Yeah. So I think to round up a little bit. Um, so our main topic today was why bodybuilders shouldn't probably compete year to year, um, especially the younger guys. So probably not like, especially novices, they probably shouldn't even be competing at intermediate guys to early advanced guys. Uh, and I think we touched on a lot of good points. The fact that well, building muscle takes time. Firstly, you just, it does take a lot, lot. You can gain a pound of muscle maybe in a month, 
or two, like two pounds of muscle in a month versus you could lose two pounds, one pound of fat a week easy. So the fact that, mm -hmm. that takes a long time, also the fact you're trying to kind of have periods where you're really trying to improve your strength and then only short periods of mini cuts. So you're trying to maintain a relatively lean physique while trying to build up. So that in itself takes a longer amount of time, which sounds like, oh, why don't you just build parcel physique? But as we said, you need to re remain lean so that you don't end up having to diet off a load of fat. You're also putting yourself in the best position to gain muscle. So, and then finally, we talked about the length of contest prep. It's a, you want actually to have a long period of time. It's not just the fact it is a long process. You almost want to make sure you give yourself more time than you need because, I mean, I don't know uh, if you're actually planning, are you planning to be ready early so you can almost build calories into your shows or how, yeah, I guess definitely. you're not planning for that, but would that be the ideal? That That's definitely the ideal. That's definitely the ideal. I, I definitely wanted to do that. So yeah, the, the leaner I am, the sooner I am, the sooner I'm leaner, the better. Um, because then I'm able to be smarter and you know incorporate more more diet breaks and move the calories up and pull the training load back if possible as well and just be more rested going into the competition. So that's definitely true. Because yeah, I mean uh, that's one of the things I really learned in my contest prep season was early show and then my main show. And for the early show, I wasn't kind of I was still dieting through it, so I was really stressed for that show. And it was my first show ever. I felt awful. And on the stage, I didn't look my best because of all those factors. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you can be ready early and go into that show kind of having more energy, then you're going to smile more on stage. You're going to be, your stage presence is going to be better. You're going to probably just, you're just going to look so much better and healthier because you don't want to be that person on stage just looking grumpy and kind of really depleted and like they should be on like a, they should be in some <laughs> camp where they're being fed. So, a hundred percent, and also like knowing that you're going to have a longer contest prep, and knowing that it's not yeah. just the caloric deficit the whole way through, definitely makes things a bit more exciting and a bit more manageable. Um, you know, I years ago I didn't know that. I thought it was just a deficit the whole way through. And um, you know, if you said to me, and some people out there might not know that as well. So if if I said, hey, you're going to die for thirty weeks for a contest prep in their mind, they think starvation for 30 weeks. It's not quite that. So, you know, inc incorporating the diet breaks, being smart with what you're doing. Um, it's not completely, it's not just fat loss the whole, the whole time. So, you know, to be able to be in a fat loss phase, have diet breaks, and then to be able to reverse into the show is the ultimate goal in most, you know, which I've never done yet, which I'm excited to do actually. Um, but yeah, like knowing that it changes a lot. Yeah, I was, I kind of had, I think you, I might have even heard you say it where you wanted to, or Alberto Nunez, someone said who was um, relatively advanced, kind of saying they wanted to diet down into their show, get into contest prep shape without their like better half knowing about it. Um, <laughs> which you are taking, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you're taking a long period of time and you're having diet breaks, so you can like treat your, you can go out for meals and these diet breaks and things. So it doesn't seem like you're being a bit like antisocial or anything. Then it's almost like, well, maybe you could do it. Obviously you're too active on social media and things for you to get away with that. But that, that would be the ultimate goal for people not to realize apart from looking at you, that you're shredded, that mentally you're, yeah. you're, you're there almost. Yeah, exactly. So touching on that, I started a fat loss phase, which was going to lead into a contest prep. 
in 2014 because I wanted to back up after having, you know, a bad prep. I wanted to actually have a great one. Decided not to compete because I got offered to go overseas to China to work at a fitness expo on the same weekend and it was a paid trip and it was a great experience. So I chose that instead. Um, but um, doing that contest prep, I was going to going to compete in that and I didn't. But um, my wife had no idea that I was actually dieting. She had no idea at all. And that's just because I just reduced my macros without her knowing, eating the same foods. And I just said, you know, every day I'd, she would say, hey, do you want me to cook for you? I'm just like, yep, these measurements of these foods. Um, and I would just drop the measurements and she wouldn't think anything of it because she'd probably just assume that I ate something else earlier in the day, et cetera, et cetera. About eight or 10 weeks later, she's like, you're getting pretty lean. What are you doing? And, uh, and then I let her know, hey, I'm probably going to compete maybe and see what happens. So, so that was cool. That, to be able to do that is great. And I think flexible dieting helps a lot with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it helps a ton. And to be able to still go out um, to, to certain restaurants where you know you can still track things pretty well, you know, once a week or so when you're so far out from comp, that helps as well. Some people would consider that a cheat meal because they wouldn't be tracking their macros. They'd just be eating clean and they're like, oh, I want to go out and eat something. And then they'd always go over the top. Um, so to be able to incorporate flexible dieting, incorporate some fun food, social eating, and being on top of things, it helps a lot. Sorry about my dog if you can hear him barking. No worries. I think, yeah, having that flexible approach and then it almost gives yourself more time than you need. gives you even more flexibility going in. Um, so I don't want to keep you too long. I just want to, is there anything else you want to touch on, any points you want to make about why you personally feel bodybuilders, especially natural guys who are less advanced, maybe shouldn't compete year to year? Yeah, I mean, I would just say, like, you've, you've made some great points already, so you've touched on everything already, but... You know, I didn't compete until I was training for six years. So I trained for six years in the gym consistently. And then I said, okay, I'm going to compete in bodybuilding. And then I did that. So I did a few comps in a, in a, in a short period of time. But I was training. My training age was that of an advanced person already. So it's definitely smart to um, – the only time I tell people that they should do contest prep at a young age or, you know, when they should still be growing is just if they're not doing anything right with their training or their nutrition and they just need a proper goal. And I'm just like, just do this, you know, get some results. Yeah. And then they notice that they're getting leaner and they want to be bigger before they actually compete. And I'm like, cool, you're leaner. Now let's focus on the gaining phase, using the tools that you understand, flexible dieting, training, progressive overload, things like that. Um, but, you know, you don't want to compete too often unless mm -hmm. I, I know some guys who compete quite often because they're always lean. They're quite older. So they're probably in their late 30s, early 40s. And it's just a lifestyle for them. And they can get on stage because they look great all the time. They're not trying to improve their physique. Uh, if you're one of those guys, that's cool. But if you're looking to, to build muscle, you're wasting your time, you know, spending big amounts of time in a caloric deficit when you could be gaining. Um, so like I said, six years and then I competed. Um, so keep that yeah, in mind. That tells. Outside of that. Tells a big, yeah, outside of that. Sorry, go. No, I was just saying it tells a big story, the fact you competed, you were training consistently for six years, gaining muscle before stepping on stage. Whereas I think a lot of guys think, oh, they can train like a bodybuilder for two years, step on stage. And it might not necessarily be the best thing for their long-term goal of maybe being a pro bodybuilder. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, and, and having the strength basis, because I did max OT-based training, which was everything was like four to six reps. That really helped me with the strength side of things, which has helped me as a powerlifter now as well, which is pretty cool that I can cross over from bodybuilding to powerlifting and still be competitive in both. And it just comes from a long, long training 
history or training age, training experience. So that's something to think about for everyone out there. Uh, the other thing I would touch on is mini cuts because you're all about mini cuts right now. And I think they're really, they're really, really good tools. So it's cool to see you that you're doing that with your mini cut movement. And I definitely encourage that. A lot of people will come to me because they want sustainable results and they want a, a lifestyle change and they want long-term success. And sometimes they get frustrated because mm-hmm. the progress is slower than they'd like it to be. And, you know, we typically say, you know, lose weight between 0.5 to 1% of your total body weight per week and things are great and everything will be the best. But to, do, to, to exceed that or to really push that 1% um, over a short period of time, like a mini cut, I think it's a great thing because people are definitely more consistent, more excited, and they see those results fast. And knowing that they've got, you know, your expertise, your expertise or your, your knowledge or you as a coach, I already know that they're going to have a smart exit strategy. They're not just doing a massive fast cut and then they're just going to binge afterwards. So mini cuts are really cool. And when I occasionally get a client say to me, Hey, I just want to lose a bunch of weight in a short amount of time. I'm excited for that because I know that they'll be really excited. I know they'll be keen to do the work regardless of what it takes and they'll get amazing results and we'll be able to shift out of that, move back to maintenance and and feel pretty good at the end of the day, rather than the typical approach of, um, where people will just eat chicken and broccoli and, uh, and then suffer. And then after that, they put on all the weight again, which is never a good thing. So I think mini cuts are awesome. I think more people should do them if they're in a position where they've got some weight to lose and they're able to, to get past the mental side of things and just know that, hey, it's not forever. Um, it's a definitely a smart approach. So like mini cuts and then maintenance, mini cuts and maintenance is a smart approach similar to a contest prep for an everyday person who's not trying to compete. Yeah, completely. I mean, much yeah, yeah, that's kind of what you're doing. You're doing three week mini cuts with a one week maintenance at the moment. So it's it's not all that different to yeah the, the mini cup setup, which yeah it does it works tremendously well because people can be focused for a short period of time, then they know they're coming out of it, um, and it's mm-hmm. the key is knowing that they're coming out of it because they. Some people get tempted to continue it through and I make sure people in the mini cup movement know that they need to either increase, kind of have a diet break or have some refeed days because if they're going to continue at aggressive pace, it's not going to do them any justice. It's not going to help the long-term goal. Yeah, 100%. And chances are now that we've, now that we've had this talk, I'm sure a lot of my clients are going to request a mini cup, <laughs> which is cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just to close off, where can people find more about you? I think they should follow you on Snapchat for sure. I don't want to quote yep. what your Snapchat code is because I'm probably going to get it wrong, but it's Biggie, <laughs> some, Biggie D. Biggie D213. So like when I was younger, people called me Big D as a nickname when I started bodybuilding. And, uh, and it went from <laughs> Big D to Biggie, and then it was just D. So now it's Biggie. So B-I-G-G-Y, D-E-E-213. If I could change it, I would, but it's too late. My Instagram is Biggie D. So my Snapchat has to be BiggieD213. Um, but yeah, so you guys can add me on Snapchat. I, I'm on there every day watching, watching Steve, watching everybody else as well. So check out Snapchat. Um, you can also find me at my website, denverstain.com. Um, and you can find me on Facebook as well. Awesome. So I'll put all those links in the description box below so everyone can get those. And it's been fantastic talking, Denver. And I really am excited to see you on stage. You def- people should definitely keep keep your eyes on Denver because, I mean, looking to win all, all your shows, and I have no doubt that you're going to be very close to doing that, if not 
have all the, you have the physique to be able to do it. I'm 100 percent certain mm -hmm. of that. So good, best Thank of you luck with all of that. Cheers, man. Thanks. It's been great talking to you. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks, everyone.